0: We're here for yet another episode of the Digital Agency Show. We have an amazing program for you today. One of my very, very, very good friends, Jonathan Hinshaw, is joining us today. Uh, Jonathan runs a highly profitable virtual agency called Ebway Creative that focuses on website builds and digital marketing services. John's also an industry expert in sales, business, e-commerce, as well as all of the amazing technologies uh, behind them. And one of my favorite things about John is that he's truly a self-made man. He is somebody who has uh, gotten into this industry from a completely different industry, and he'll talk about that on the program um, and everything that he knows about what he does is learned through experience. He does not have any formal education in marketing or in sales or in business for that matter. It's been all through his experience and over a decade of, of running his business and even having some moments where he had to file bankruptcy and figure out how to get through that. And, uh, he's been one of the most uh, influential people in our community to this day. John's also a uh, boot camp and mastermind mentor, and he has helped, um, well over 200 of our graduates, uh, lead their group and, um, really teach them how to grow their business, change their mindset and, uh, sell higher value projects for higher value pay. And John's been just so influential in our community. You guys got to listen to every word this man says. He has so much to teach you and you have so much to learn from him. So Jonathan, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, thanks Brent. Pleasure to be here.
0: John, I'm curious. Why did you get into this business? Why do you have a digital agency?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, what possessed me to create a digital agency? Well, I, I would say at the very at the very essence of why we created it, I came out of an industry. I came out of the automotive industry, right? We, we were selling cars, Highline Automotive cars, and we I could never find a web designer or an internet marketing person that would follow through or do what we needed to do. And I looked at it and said, I can figure this out. And and I did. So I started handling our company website and our marketing and that sort of stuff. And then I guess from there, I kind of fell into it and looked at it like, huh, this could probably be a job. I could probably work for myself and not have to do this for other people. And I guess I kind of fell into it. You know, it's, Ebway was not really intentionally created. It was an afterthought of me just really not wanting to work for anybody else. And I didn't have too many skills other than sales, and I knew I could sell websites. So I kind of fell that route, and and it just – I don't want to say it happened to work out because, as we all know, there's a lot of grinding and a lot of hard work. But it, it was very unintentional. I, I didn't see myself as a full-service digital agency 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I just saw myself as, hey, if, if I can build a couple of websites a month, I can pay my bills and have fun. It wasn't until a few years later that I was like, I should turn this into something big. Does that make sense? Yeah. What about it for
0: you? What about working for somebody else was incongruent for you? What, what about that did you want to leave from?
1: Well, I, there were really two driving factors. Uh, the first would have to be my son. So my my son has Asperger's, very high-functioning Asperger's. But as with any child that has a disability, it takes a lot more effort to raise a child with, with any kind of disability. Um, so that was one of the driving forces was I I really – I wanted a job that I could do from anywhere. I wanted a job I could do from home. And I didn't want any time constraints so that if I was needed at home or if I needed to do something with my son, I could be there. Um, that was a real driving force in trying to get my own thing going. And as a salesperson, the second driving force, I was just tired of making other people rich. I was just <laughs> tired of the grind and I'm you know working so hard for something that at any time could go away or... I could get laid off or fired or the company. You know, I had no control over my future whatsoever as long as I was working under somebody else's vision.
0: So, would you say you learned how to sell by selling cars?
1: That's definitely where I learned how to sell. Yeah. (laughs) Actually,. I learned how to sell selling milk door to door.
0: So you, you graduated to
1: selling cars. I, yeah, I graduated to selling cars. Yeah, and uh, that's definitely where I cut my teeth was uh, selling Highline Automotive a BMW, Mercedes sold Lamborghinis. Um, you know, it was a great great period in my life. Um, it was just always working for somebody else. I never had my own thing.
0: Try to think about maybe how that experience relates to selling web you know what's the difference between selling a Lamborghini and maybe a Honda Civic or something you know that's that's more commodity utility based versus a a high-end luxury automotive vehicle how how does that experience uh, how is it different selling to those two different types of customers and how how does that maybe relate to selling high value web projects
1: well, it's funny because it, it's a little similar. It's actually very similar. Um, nobody needs a Lamborghini, right? Everybody <laughs> might need transportation. I, I don't transportation. know. I don't know, John.
0: I think I think deep down, <laughs> I need I, I need a Lamborghini. Yeah. You need one. Yeah,
1: I need one. But you know, no, nobody needs that. It, th- this was a want. Um, so you're selling to somebody's passion. You're selling. And they're when they're comparing Lamborghinis, they're looking at Aston Martin, they're looking at Ferrari, they're looking at Lamborghini, they're looking at all kinds of of options that are out there in those those exotic cars. So what it comes down to is making a friend, making sure that they trust you, and answering their questions. And I, I always say sales sales is not trickery; it, it's just a logical argument. You know, so I would study the competition and find out what they were doing wrong. And I would simply bring that up, you know, uh, and compare what they were offering to what we were offering. And I would present my logical argument to every prospect that wanted to buy an exotic vehicle and try to help them make the best decision possible. Um, and sometimes the best decision is no, you should not buy this Lamborghini. (laughs)
0: Your,
1: your expectations are through the roof. It's still a vehicle, you know, um, so there's a lot of similarities when you're selling websites. I would say to argue the fact that, you know, not everybody needs a, a Lamborghini, not everybody needs to have an eBay or Amazon website either, you know? But what they do need is an online presence. So you kind of have to figure out who you want to work with and what levels you want to work with. That's the key. I mean, that eBay really didn't take off until we figured out we want to sell really nice websites, really good marketing packages and i can't do that with $1500 budgets. i've got to have cash to do what we want to do. so i think figuring that out was a huge part of making ebway a success. and and i tell clients we're we are the mercedes benz of websites, you know, if if that's what you're looking for then that's us. if you're just trying to get to a to b well, there's Wix, there's GoDaddy, you know, go somewhere else.
0: Can you uh, tell me a little bit about what does Ebway look like today? How many people are involved? What, how many projects you guys take on? Typical project ranges. Just kind of paint me a picture of of the business today.
1: Today we have seven full time employees, including my wife, who works with me. My wife uh, sits in the office with me. So six of our employees are completely virtual. My my team does not work here in the office. We have a virtual team. We take on one to two website projects a month and maybe one to two marketing customers every other month. It takes us about 60 days to onboard a marketing client. So the numbers don't sound that large, but the one, two, maybe three maximum websites that we take on each month are usually going to be in the 30 to 50 to 60K range. They're going to be three- to four-month-long projects. Uh, the marketing clients that we bring in, they're six- to 12-month commitments, so we do a lot of stuff with them, um, and, and it's usually higher value. I I figured out a long time ago I didn't want to sell $100-a-month packages. I want to sell $5,000-a-month packages and deal with 20 clients instead of 300.
0: I think a lot of people can uh, aspire to that, for sure. There's definitely, uh, I think... Um Dealing with fewer, better clients is uh, seems to me like a, a more fun thing than. Although you know, I mean, the stress is probably higher, or at least they're 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 demanding more out of you or more results. So in a way, you know, maybe there's a, there's some trade offs there.
1: I don't know if the stress is higher on, from the client side, or really that they're that much more demanding. If anything, I think they're easier to work with the higher dollar clients because. Well, they they just they come in expecting you to be the expert and just to do mm. your job, right? They we hired you to figure that out, figure it out, and tell us what to do, <laughs> rather than you know, rather than the mom and pop shop that you know put their website on the credit card and they need the money back soon because the payment's coming up and now they're applying pressure to you. So I think dealing with larger budgets is a little bit easier on the stress factor for the from the client side. Now internally, it's a little more stressful because if we lose one client, it's very painful. You mm. know, you we don't have thousands of customers. You know, AT and T could probably lose a million customers this month. They'll still be in business next month. Um, so I have to be very careful. We have to always deliver, always make sure everybody's being taken care of because it can be, it can hurt. You know, if if we lost five or six customers, it could be very painful.
0: You mentioned you had a. Virtual team. So do you guys have an Mm -hmm. office or are you 100% from home?
1: So uh, we're 100% from home. The virtual team works out of an office. They're in India. They're over in in Bangladesh. Uh, They've been with us now for four years. Going on five years, we've had the same. The Five of them have been the same. Two of them are new this year. But uh, we've used the same core team for the last five years We have a stand-up meeting every morning. Everybody knows what's going on. We're very we communicate. They work my time zone, so I don't do midnight calls. They work in the evening. I work Mm. in the day. So it works out. Uh, Very, very good team. Um, And and we've we've groomed them to do what we want them to do and how we want it done. So I've been through the gamut of the horror stories of outsourcing. Uh, And and I know the horror stories there. But I think what people fail to recognize is it doesn't matter where your people come from. I don't care if they're in India or in San Francisco or sitting next to you in the office. you got to train them.
0: Mm. So
1: that's probably one of our keys to making all that work.
0: I feel like you have just mentioned two things that a lot of people uh, have some mindset stuff around, which is, uh, first of all, working from home and not feeling uh, legit or credible because I work from home and uh, don't have a a swanky office to to, (laughs) parade my clients through. Uh, And then the other one is... Uh, outsourcing or offshoring really, uh, having people in India or the Philippines to do the production work for you and maybe they've been burned or they've heard horror stories about it. Um, you know so I feel like those are those, those are two areas that people have a lot of, of baggage around. Um, how do you how do you make that work for you? How do you first make the virtual team work and then how do you uh, what are some of those things that you've learned? Um, in terms of outsourcing and outsourcing and offshoring that have made the biggest difference
1: well look i, I can totally relate to the home office uh, let's call it a phobia <laughs> <laughs> i can relate to that you know and this it, when i 10 years ago you know it was uh, unheard of if, if you said you worked from home that basically meant you didn't have a job right
0: <laughs> so sure you have an agency right? air quotes agency <laughs>
1: mm-hmm So, what you're saying is you're a freelancer and you work out of your basement. Got it. (laughs) So, but I think things have changed, you know, and I've always overcome that argument. Uh, It was an easy argument for me to overcome saying, yeah, I don't have an office. I don't have the overhead that the big guys have. So, I can build you the same stuff at a fraction of the price because I don't have the overhead. Um, You know, you pick. You you want bragging rights to say you worked with the big guy downtown and give him a lot of money or do you just want to get the work done have it done properly and have some money left over for marketing or or whatever right so it was always a really easy thing for me to get it over but i think in the past i don't know 3 or 4 years it's really changed i mean it's very accepting for people to work from home now even even large corporations have you know a couple of days a week where people can work from home so i don't think there's as much of a stigma at least i don't see it today as there was maybe four or five years ago i think today it can be yeah we have an office at the house we've got two guys in atlanta one guy in california we get on skype every day that's my team i think it's much more accepting today you know does does that make sense
0: Mm -hmm. totally
1: so and then the the offshoring thing i I totally get that and there's lots of different arguments around that you know um i would say good luck trying to find a good employee you know (laughs) you're gonna have a headache either way it really doesn't matter uh the way that my company is set up we chose to go the outsourcing route so that we could scale up and down quickly so i did have an office at one time and i had employees and i felt like there was a fire-breathing dragon chasing me down every month for rent and employee Mm. payments and i i'm not a good boss I'll never fire anybody. <laughs> so and I think you have to know that about yourself. You know what you're good at. and I, I knew early on, I'm not a good boss. I don't like having employees. i I don't appreciate that kind of pressure. I'm gonna go the subcontractor slash outsource route, and that way I don't have to worry about OSHA and employees and taxes and you know all that. stuff. So it's it's just now it's just a cost it's a line item on my taxes it's very simple so you guys have been in
0: business uh 10 years 10 years <laughs> 10 years Con- congrats on that that's probably. a long I think, time <laughs> i think uh you know usually that 4 to 5 years or usually that first couple of years is you know a lot of people don't make it out of that and then you know 4 to 5 years is kind of another uh, big hurdle and uh, and 10 years uh something uh, altogether it seems like you've at least got your way of doing business. Kind of, I hate to use the word the words figured out, but you've got your you know a good stride. It seems like that a lot a lot of people would love to emulate. But was there any times over the last ten years where you maybe questioned whether this was the right thing for you, or maybe uh, even uh, got close to shutting your doors?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think at at year two there's a disruption that happens and you have to really put your head down and keep the business going. Um, usually year two and year five, those are very tough spots. Um, I I don't know if it's because you just get used to doing things a certain way and you forget to do the things that got you there. When you're starting out, you're full of so much energy, right? You work 18 hours a day. You're always like, go, go, go. You're hustling. And then after a couple of years, you sort of settle back, and I would say you relax. And if you get too comfortable, you'll figure out real quick that you stopped doing a lot of things that were driving business, and now business is not happening. But that happened to us a couple of times. You know, you you sign some big jobs, you get to a certain spot, the revenue's hitting. Especially at year five, everything was going great. I sat back, kind of crossed my arms and said i've got a good company now and then the housing market crashed and we lost 50 percent of our contractor business they they didn't just fire us they went out of business so that basically did um it sunk us morally spiritually physically financially you know you look around you go well i guess i'm done (laughs) (laughs) that sucks um but we sat back and thought, you know, we, we had a good thing going. Uh, that market kind of, the bottom fell out. We know what to do. And really, you just you put your big boy pants on, you go out, you get into a new market, and you do it again. And now we're much more careful about looking, I call it playing the tape through. So now it's, what would happen? We ask ourselves silly questions, like, what would happen if Google got rid of AdWords? Where would hmm. we get leads from? You know, what would happen if Facebook went away? How would we communicate with clients? So I'm always thinking the bottom's going to fall out. <laughs> I better have a plan for when something falls out. And I think we're much more prepared to deal with things like that today. But they do happen and they can really, really destroy your confidence, um, the excitement you have. And, and I, you know, I've been in business 10 years now. There's still days where I'm like, do I really want to go in and work with websites today and talk to people about marketing? Like sometimes you just feel like it's a soul sucking exercise, but I think you have to remember all of the things that are great about why we do this and not let the negative overtake the positive.
0: What, what is, what is great about marketing? What have you found that's given you that energy or that feeling of accomplishment with the work that
1: you do with clients? Usually the way we get clients, they're unhappy with something. They, they're they sick of their current provider or their current provider's not producing results. They're going through a negative experience. And for them to come to me and for me to be able to turn that negative into a positive is a pretty fulfilling thing, you know, to actually bring them in, bring them under our wing and show them right from the get-go how professional we are, when a client trusts us and says, okay, we'll, we'll give you our money, our time, our commitment, and we get to come back to them and help them either grow a business or save time with a web app or you know whatever it is, that's hugely fulfilling. I mean, it's we're, we're helping people all the time. They need this stuff, and I have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure they get what they paid for. And I don't believe there's a lot of companies out there that take this as seriously as we do.
0: I know with our, our boot campers a lot of time, I'll say, oh, you know, why don't you call this company? That they, they could be somebody that could be a client of yours. And they'll be like, oh, no, they they have a really good website already. Or, oh, they're already advertising. They don't need us. You know, I'm like, but.
1: Oh, that's exactly who to call. <laughs> I was like, but most <laughs> people
0: are really unhappy with their agency. Like if they're not unhappy with them now, they might be in, in a month or two months, even if the work looks good the relationship might have broken down. And what I'm kind of hearing from you is that, you know, you guys really focus a lot of time and energy uh, on that. And, and also, I'm also hearing from you that you go after go after that business too.
1: Well, and I, so we, we've we surveyed a lot of clients over the years. And the number one thing I hear when we ask them, you know, why did you choose to stay with us for two years, four years? But we have customers going back nine, ten years. I still – the first client I ever got, I still have them as a customer. <laughs> And when we ask those questions, you know, why did you stay with us? Predominantly, the answer is because you talk to us, because you answer the phone. You know, some of these big agencies, you look at them, they do great work. They actually are producing results. They're just not taking credit for it. They're not calling the customer. They're not spending time holding their hand, educating them on why they're doing what they're doing. And it doesn't matter. You, you could have the greatest results in the world if the customer doesn't know what you're doing they don't understand why you're doing it you're not doing anything
0: so so what do you find a lot of you know agency owners are struggling with when they're trying to grow their business just because you have that perspective and you've seen you've seen you know hundreds of people come through our programs and you've had a hand in helping to kind of give them a leg up with their business what's something that you see time and time again that people are struggling with that you help them give, you know, you help them with
1: one of the big things, uh, is avoiding the hard stuff. They will sit down. I used to do it. The, the only reason I see these things is because they're things that I myself have participated in. So it makes it very easy for me to see what's going on. You know, we'll sit down and we'll redesign our logo 14 times. We'll redesign <laughs> our website 27 times. We'll work on, ad copy for five days but what we're doing is we're actually avoiding the hard stuff we're avoiding picking up the phone mm. we're avoiding getting away from the computer and going to an event or you know getting out there and shaking hands and meeting people and creating conversations uh, sales is not hard I, I think sales is a lost art especially with the way social media is today everybody just texts and instagram this and twitter that and we're We've in a way we've kind of lost that personal human touch. So now I would say it's easier than ever to make a sale because all you have to do is be human. Just get away from the computer. Stop redesigning your logo. Go shake hands with somebody. Go create conversations. This is it's about relationships. That's probably the number one thing I see people struggling with is they're not executing to generate revenue. They're executing on busy work, and busy work doesn't pay the bills.
0: I find that, you know, they really like to get into the plan of, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this. But then when it comes time to actually either generate revenue or get in front of a customer, uh, they really, really want somebody just to, to contact them and to really lead the way. Uh, they they would they would prefer it if their phone just rang and somebody just said, okay hey I, I need to do this with this new website, and can you do it for me versus really uh pursue that I think you know and you were on the uh we did that kind of experiment with our our boot camp large group uh yeah. what was that, yesterday where i was like like here's your you know here's how you, your market that you've chosen and we're just going to call people in this market like right now. We're not going to wait till next week, we're not going to wait till next month. We're not going to come up with a really sweet landing page. We're just going to start talking to people like this minute. And I think that that really took a lot of people by surprise that, you know, we advocate that type of an approach where you're starting to have conversations with maybe very little information put together. Like you know, it's kind of an uncomfortable place.
1: Well, and I people love the underdog. People love to help out the underdog. And I, I think we, we put a little too much pressure on ourselves thinking we have to know everything. We got to know all the answers. And what if they ask this? And what if they do that? When hindsight being what it is, 90% of the time, they never ask the questions that you're worried about. You know, (laughs) it just doesn't work that way. Uh, Usually the conversation goes completely different. I thought I loved your thing yesterday because I actually had a couple of boot campers in my class that were sort of stuck in list creation. You know, it's, mm. well, well, how many people do you have on your list? Well, I've got 350. Do you know how long it's going to take you to call <laughs> 350 people? How about we break it down to like 10 and let's call them? You know, it's just, but we, you get stuck. You get stuck in in that busy work and creating that list when in actuality it, it that's just prep work that's not going to do anything
0: i got just thinking of you know what are those questions that you think they're going to ask or the reasons the excuses like that uh that people give for not picking up the phone and calling and my favorite one was uh you know i don't have any work to show them i was like well have they asked to see work yet? Well no, they're going to. What happens when they what happens when they ask me where, where you know, where's an example of a doctor or a dentist website that you've done? I was like, Well, if you get on the phone and they ask that question, just say, I, I don't have any yet and that's why I'm calling you. <laughs> oh, you can't yeah. Well they're not gonna sign on, they're not gonna do the deal. Well, I don't know if I'd work it that far in my head, but you know, maybe maybe they would be willing to be your first customer. You know, maybe they'd be willing to be that monkey shot into space with you if if it's the right deal.
1: One of the things I learned early on is we have to stop pre-qualifying people before we actually talk to them. And that, mm. that's a form of pre-qualification. You know, you're sort of putting words in their mouth that aren't there and you're assuming things are going to go a certain way. And you're pre yourself right in and out of deals all day long. If you would just say, I don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to talk. <laughs> totally different experience.
0: What's uh what's one thing that's exciting you about your business today?
1: Man, I there's never been there's never been a market like this. I mean, when you look around at Instagram and all these little famous Instagram people coming out and and the Facebook and the way social media is working and just I mean the way I See how my son, you know, who's fifteen years old, the way I see him and how he uses the internet and the phone, I don't think it's ever been easier to get in front of your ideal client. I mean, ten years ago I was knocking on doors, you know, trying, coming in with like pamphlets, you know, like <laughs> here's what we can do for. You know, I felt like a like a newspaper, like an encyclopedia sales guy, you know, but these days I mean, you could find out anything you want about somebody before you call them. You could check them out on social. You could look up their company and find out their revenue. I mean, it's just, there's so much data. At times, it can be overwhelming, but I think it's really exciting to see, like, I guess the the maturity of where the internet is because you know I'm I'm 40 years old. I didn't grow up with the internet. We grew up with little flip phones, right? <laughs> we didn't, we didn't John,
0: you, you grew up, up with pagers. Let's just let's just be honest. I here. did. That's <laughs> right.
1: I grew up with pagers and the little white brick phone that cost like three dollars a minute. Yeah. So yeah, we didn't have the internet. And if <laughs> heaven forbid you wanted to get a message out there, it was either TV or radio or newspaper. I could go onto Facebook right now and I could put a message in front of a million people if I wanted to, if I had to catch, right. Or organically I could probably get it shared. So I think that's, what's really cool. I think just there's so much you can do now and there's so much work out there. I mean, everybody needs help with something. It's just, you know, the mindset of I have intellectual property and I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing and I'm super special. That goes out the window. Nobody's special. There's plenty of business to go around. We there's there's tons of business for all of us to be successful. So I that's what I love about your community is nobody really sees each other as competitors. We see each other as partners. You know, we're just going through this together and sharing stories and sharing all of our resources with each other. Um, and look, I've, I've been I've been doing bootcamp for four years with you. Mentored maybe a few hundred. Um boot campers and in, in your boot camp, I've never run into any of them as a competitor with a client hmm. ever, and I deal with clients all over the world. That's what tells me there's plenty of business to go around. <laughs> it's just, but yeah, that's what excites me is just the amount of information that's out there, the ease of getting a message out there it's just it's really exciting and I think right now what we're looking into is this whole new, you know, virtual reality thing, you know, the augmented reality, the virtual reality. I'm big into the e-commerce world, what that's going to do for that. I mean, to be able to put on a pair of glasses and be inside of a Nike store picking out shoes, that's just uh, it blows my mind.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Are you ready for lightning round? I'm ready. Let's All go. Right. Let's do it. What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: If you can't invite the opportunity over to your house for a barbecue, you do not want them as a client. <laughs>
0: I, think, I think we mentioned that that came up in a large group yesterday. I think Sheldon's making a t-shirt uh, that says, uh, if, if, if you can't come over for a barbecue, you can't be my client.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's best advice I ever got. I mean, I was the I, – I if you ever saw the um, – I think it's Xfinity cable commercial where the guy goes, I got it figured out. We don't have a problem with our products. We need all new customers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the best advice I ever got. Yep.
0: Which of your personal habits has contributed
1: most to your success? You know, probably just—I just don't give a rip what people think about me. I just don't care. So that frees me to make the calls, to walk in the room, say hi to people, shake hands. I don't care if you like me or not. I, I know I have a good service. I know my company does good work. Um, so I I really just I just don't care about what people think. You know, I a lot of people get stopped and stumped. They're like, well, I don't want to sound like a salesperson. I don't want them to think I'm a salesperson. Who gives a rip? If I'm selling <laughs> the cure to cancer, you ought to buy it.
0: Love it. Can you uh, share an internet resource or tool that you think our listeners would find useful?
1: So other than your email newsletters, Brent, there's only one other newsletter that I actually read every week. And it's from a company called Smart Insights. They're based out of the UK. Um, But smartinsights.com. We we used to have a paid membership there. We use all of their resources. That's how I educated myself on SEO and PPC and social media and their email newsletter comes out every Friday. And it really is the key to me staying on top of everything. Because, you know, in my business these these things are changing every day. Every day there's a new software, there's a new shiny thing to look at. Google's changing something else. Google Plus got redesigned. Instagram does video. Then they don't. Then they do. (laughs) It's like you never know what's going on so I love the Smart Insights email newsletter because every week on Friday it tells me exactly what happened over the last seven days and it keeps me on point
0: very cool great resource we'll uh, include that in our um, our our show notes Uh, what book would you recommend and why
1: The Sales Bible by Jeffrey Gittimer it's the number one book on sales you could ever you don't need any other books it's the Sales Bible by Jeffrey Gittimer. I like it because most sales training and sales books are taught from a mindset of the customer's wrong, and I'm going to prove them wrong, or they're very aggressive. You know, there's nothing wrong with guys like Grant Cardone and uh, you know Sandler training and those guys that are out there, but that's a very aggressive. Like they give me an objection, boom, here's my rebuttal. They give me an objection, boom, here's my rebuttal. It's very. It's like war. You know? Mm. I don't like that. I would rather I don't want to sit on the other side of the table and fight over the money. I want to sit next to the prospect and figure out how to spend the money together. So Jeffrey Gittimer's sales bible is really about relationship building and it gives lots of rules and lots of processes and it's probably the best book on sales you could ever buy.
0: That's awesome. I think you actually gave that book to me. I did. A couple of years ago, yeah for sure that's a good good read. Uh, so how can our audience our listeners uh, find out more about you or is there anything that you have that they can check out to uh, learn
1: more about Jonathan Hinshaw or Ebway? Just google Jonathan Hinshaw. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> google me. That's it. That's that's actually true. Um, no, you I mean you can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Hinshaw. There's no h in, in Jonathan. It's J O N. So Jonathan Hinshaw um, ebwaycreative.com is our company website. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Literally, if you just type Jonathan Hinshaw into Google, you'll see everything. I think I own the first six pages. We've worked really hard on that. (laughs) So
0: so search for Jonathan Hinshaw and then follow him in whatever uh, way that suits you best, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Good stuff.
1: If you're a LinkedIn person, awesome. That's fine. Except for... uh, snapchat I'm not so big on the snapchat i mean i'll watch it because my son's a teenager but that's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> we're just you're, you're, you're just not quite yet. there yet not quite there yet
0: very cool well jonathan thanks again for hanging out with us today uh always a pleasure to talk with you we've been so fortunate to have you as a mentor and leader in our community and i think that this industry uh is better because you've been here so that's uh just want to thank you again for hanging out with us today and we're so appreciative of all the time and energy you put in with all of our folks and to all of our listeners uh you should pay attention to this guy he's uh he knows what he's talking about and you can learn a lot from him
1: thanks Brent. yeah it was a pleasure to be here thank you so much bye everybody
0: all right see ya.